This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 141, and it's another Music Memories episode. And today I am joined by a returning guest. He's the host of the Five Star Match Game, which is also on the VOW Network. It's Joe Gagne. Hello again, Joe. Hey, hello, Andrew. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm not bad. It's been... Uh... A little bit since I've been on. I think the last episode was the WrestleMania, the album, which would have been around WrestleMania 2021. Yep, that's true. That's true. Um, and that was a lot of fun, that episode. Uh, certainly very silly, that's for sure, with the uh, the music on that one, but uh, still a, a great time. And uh, it's always a great time when you're on here, Joe. You know, just a, a couple of Massachusetts boys hanging out, having fun. What's not to love? <laughs> that's right. We're two of the originals, because it seems every time someone else joins the... Uh... The voices of wrestling slack that from the uh, the base state, so we're slowly <laughs> but surely taking over. Yeah, little by little, little by little, for sure. But um, but I'm glad you're here because uh, I know a couple weeks ago you went to the ROH show, Death Before Dishonor, in Lowell, and then the Dynamite in Worcester, and I couldn't go because I had to work. So I'm glad we could you know talk here at least on the, on the podcast. But um, but it's funny, you know, speaking of ROH. I listened to Through the Years, the classic ROH podcast with Trevor Damon and Matt Feuerstein, and whenever they do like a Boston, sh- well, <laughs> Boston show, quote unquote, um, you're on it because you went to all those old you know, ROH shows back in the day um, at some, you know, armory or rec center or whatever, and it's like not only is ROH still going after all these years, but now it's owned by Tony Khan and it's been integrated into AEW, so it's it's come a long way, Joe. That's for sure. Yeah, from all those armories in Wakefield and uh, in Framingham and the dozen other towns they had to run in Massachusetts. And I guess Lowell, Mass can be added to the list. But yeah, it's like I said, if you had told me, you know, those first shows, I'd been like, in 20 years, you'll be at a pay-per-view and with thousands of people. I'd been like, my God, this company exploded, which not not really the case. It's been a, a, a long and winding road, but uh, but uh, certainly glad it's still around. And, and we'll be talking about uh, some Ring of Honor in a little bit. Oh, yes, we shall. We shall indeed. Not to uh, spoil the proceedings there, but uh, we will get to some ROH later on. But um, but I'm looking forward to the eventual ROH TV show because I've really enjoyed this new era of ROH with Tony Khan at the helm so far. But it's only been stuff that's either been on AEW TV or the two pay-per-views. So, you know, I want to see ROH as its own thing with its own weekly show. Um, which is funny because, you know, when it was on Sinclair... It did have its own weekly show for like a decade, but it was on, you know, hundreds of local stations. Um, I think in our neck of the woods, it was on Nessun. But if they get on a national station, then that'd be pretty cool, I think, Joe. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, it was on uh, Nessun sometimes. And also the local Providence affiliate, if you could have, uh, if you receive that station, it would also air at Saturdays at like two in the morning or something like that. But yes, hopefully something a little steadier and something a little more mainstream would be great to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, but anyway, uh, we are here to do a music memories episode. And for those that are 
new to the show, uh, Music Memories is when I have on a guest, and they talk about three memories from their wrestling fandom that are strongly linked to music in some way. It could be from being at a live show, could be from watching wrestling on TV, an album, a video game, uh, a movie or TV show about wrestling, perhaps, whatever it may be. And it's not meant to be, you know, analytical about the music. It's meant to be more of a, a quick and casual conversation about these memories. And um, Joe, if I know anything about you, it's that you've watched quite a lot of wrestling over the years, uh, more than necessary, perhaps. So <laughs> I'm sure you could have picked like 10 or 20 different examples here, but uh, we'll stick with three for now, Joe. Yes, no, I go, I go way, way back, as you'll, as you'll hear in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to be nice and uh, not call you old. So you know, you're, you're a more experienced wrestling fan. How about that, Joe? <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Andrew. It's just, yes, it's just <laughs> sickening with everyone in the voices of wrestling slack seems to be uh, so, so much younger than me. But, you know, but what can you do? <laughs> Getting older is a privilege. That's why I tell myself at least. I mean, I'm 29 and I'm like, all oh, these damn youngsters, what's what's going on here? <laughs> but um, but anyway, uh, let's get to the matter at hand here. Uh, Joe, what is your first music memory for us? All right, my first music memory is Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Eni Kamosi. Hit it! Na, 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 This is the theme song, or one of the theme songs, for Public Enemy in ECW. And the reason this came up to me is that around this time, you know, kind of that late summer, early fall, takes me back to when I started college, way, way back in 1995. And I got on the internet for the first time. And I remember in 1995, especially up to that point, U.S. wrestling was not doing great. WWF had a pretty... We were coming off uh, Mabel headlining for the title at SummerSlam and, and some of the, just the goofiest stuff in, in WCW. That was the year of, of Uncensored and a lot of just kind of out there uh, pay-per-views and whatnot. But I remember all anyone was talking about was a promotion called ECW. And just like, you have to remember back back then what the internet was. Like nowadays, you, you probably heard about West Coast Pro Wrestling. Like they're a group doing a lot of great stuff. And if you're curious, you can just, you know, they have a YouTube page. You can see a free match. All their shows are streaming. If you subscribe to IWTV, you know, you can check out clips on Twitter, things like that. But back then, you know, all, all we really had to go on was just text. Like I would read these text reviews of ECW shows and it was just, you know, it really kind of sucked me into this, like, oh, the ECW arena. And like, you, you didn't know what anyone looked like. Like, like they weren't really even really pictures <laughs> back then you could look up. So you, you really had to use your imagination. And one of the big things about ECW is that they used licensed music and i say like i mean they didn't license they didn't pay anyone they they just used popular songs while the wwf and wcw were using their own themes you know for had been years at that point so 
and the, the, you know, ECW used a lot of kind of popular music. You know, they used Inner Sandman for the Sandman. They used uh, Alice in Chains for Tommy Dreamer and The Offspring for Raven. And this song for uh, Public Enemy, which was, it was kind of a big hit. I think in 1994, it came out with a Robert Ullman movie. It was a big release and it was kind of a, it's just kind of this, you know, kind of joyous peppy song. And, you know, in college at that time, you know, you go to, you know, parties, hang out in someone's dorm room. You would hear this song a lot. And it always kind of reminded me of Public Enemy because I always thought they were, um, in ECW, they were just, you know, they always cracked me up. I thought, you know, the matches were what they were. But I, I always remember, you know, the first online transaction I ever had, I got 1995 ECW on VHS tape. I paid some guy like 30 bucks for the year, which was a great deal in hindsight. And, I, you know, they had all these skits. They cracked me up and all that. And I was so excited when uh, they would go to WCW. And then it's like, oh, you know, they were kind of really protected in ECW. And Paulie certainly got the most out of them, which is, you know, your, your job as a booker and promoter. But, yeah, no, I always remember... Yeah, they were highlight packages to this song. I remember the whole ECW arena doing, you know, waving their arms back and forth to it. It was just, and that's kind of the, the, the power of licensed music is that whenever you hear it, it always reminds you of the, that wrestler. Like, you know, if I hear, um, I don't know, Tom Sawyer by Rush, I still always think of, uh, of Kerry Von Eric, Modern Day Warrior and all that. That's kind of the power. And that's still, and whenever I hear that song, it still kind of takes me back to, uh, you know, kind of discovering ECW at that time. Yeah, when I hear this song, um, the first thing I think of is the clip of the Public Enemy inviting all the fans into the ring after a match. I think they beat the Gangsters, and all the fans are in the ring, and they're jumping up and down, and this song is playing, you know, na 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 and surprise, surprise, the ring collapses, and, you know, Joey Styles goes, oh my god, and all that, and, you know, it, it's not like it was, a, you know, a crazy collapse, you know, get a medic for God's sake, no, it was a, a very safe collapse, all things considered, and... The fans are all cheering, yeah, yeah, and all that. It's, it's a very famous clip. And, yeah, I mean, it's 1995, and if you're used to watching WWF and WCW, where you've got people like the Godwins and Mantor and Aldo Montoya and Dave Sullivan, the Dungeon of Doom, people like that, and then you watch GCW and you watch, you know, this hardcore brawl between the gangsters and the public enemy, and then the fans get in the ring and collapse it, you know, at that... That's going to stick with you because it's unique. It's different. And those two other companies would never in a million years do something like that, especially around that time. Um, so, yeah, I can see why people would gravitate towards ECW because it's got this really cool, unique environment, you know, and it's got this cool music as well. It's, you know, popular music. So, yeah, um, I believe as well, you know, Public Enemy themselves, they were the same team that got buried underneath a mountain of chairs because there was that segment where uh, Public Enemy were brawling with uh, Terry Funk and Cactus Jack and Funk asked for a chair from the crowd and the crowd was like, okay, here you go. And they threw like a thousand chairs into the ring and yes. <laughs> Public Enemy were just buried underneath this giant pile of chairs. Uh, it's a very famous moment. You know, I, I can't say I've seen that many Public Enemy matches, but... That clip of the chairs and the ring collapse clip as well, those are just burning my brain forever. So, yeah, like you said, you know, credit to Paul Heyman and ECW for taking this team, which, you know, by all accounts weren't that great in the ring, but he got them over, he gave them cool music, he focused on their strengths, and he got two iconic wrestling moments out of them, at least. So, yeah, good on him, Joe. Yeah, things like 
you know, the, these things aired on television, which was kind of incredible. Like if something like this happened in indie, maybe you'd see a, you know, someone took a video with their cell phone and it'd be on, um, on Twitter or something like that. But no, like the ring collapsing, everyone in the ring aired on television. And it's, it was just such a crazy moment, especially compared to what the WWF and WCW were, were pumping out at this time. It felt just so much, you know, so much, li- so much livelier than, uh, than what the mainstream feds were putting on. And, and Lord knows it wasn't perfect, but, uh, but you know, that, that helped really, because my interest in wrestling, I mean, I was still clearly watching television, kind of listening into pay-per-views on Scramble Vision, but, but getting online and following ECW kind of really jump-started my wrestling fandom back into, uh, into a level it's, it's largely sustained in the quarter century since. <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it is, I think it is pretty cool what you said there at the end, you know, I think for a lot of wrestling fans, especially, you know, big wrestling fans, we tend to start the same way typically, which is, you know, with WWE as kind of the, our entry point, um, or if you're older, WCW maybe or whatever, but then you find that new thing, you find that new company or show or whatever that opens the door into the larger wrestling world and makes you an even bigger fan than before. You know, for me, it was TNA. And then later on, it was you know going online and finding matches from ROH or Japan or whatever. All that led to me being the massive wrestling dork I am today. So I have that to thank. But for everyone, it's different. You know, for you, it was ECW, of course. Um, but it's pretty cool how if you're someone who watches a bunch of different wrestling from you know, around the world or whatever, you had your gateway, whatever it was, that led you to being that kind of fan. And those gateways led to websites like Voices of Wrestling it led to podcasts like this, where we just dork out over wrestling music all the time. So, yeah, it's pretty cool, Joe, I think. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, Joe, what is your second music memory for us? All right, it is uh, Special K. It's, I think, second theme from Ring of Honor. They uh, probably had a bunch. But I know it's called Victims of Hard Style. I'm not aware of the artist right now, but that is uh, my second pick. Turn up the lights. Can you feel the energy? I said, can you feel the energy? Okay. Now, get ready to lose your mind. Get ready to lose control. Now, you're a victim of hard style. just say this month actually marks the 20th anniversary of my very first ring of honor show i was at honor invades boston which was actually in wakefield a, a long trend of uh, claiming cities that were not boston were in fact uh, were in fact boston and a ring of honor was kind of similar to ecw in that they used licensed music they didn't have original themes although ecw used a lot more i guess popular recognizable songs than um than Ring of Honor would like I yeah I knew the some of the artists for uh, Ring of Honor but not necessarily the songs themselves they kind of were a bit uh, a deeper cut at least for me I was getting older at that time so maybe I just wasn't in touch with the uh, common music at the time but when I kind of thought like all right well 
what Ring of Honor theme sticks out to me the most? This one just kind of jumped into my mind. It was for the Special K stable, which if you weren't around at the time, it was just a bunch of <laughs> of uh, skinny, flippy white guys doing a uh, kind of a rave gimmick. And, you know, they were kind of a, you know, they were a pretty big part of Ring of Honor back then. They weren't like super pushed or anything or main eventers or anything, but they were just kind of a a staple of all those Ring of Honor shows. They'd have scrambles and kind of multi-man matches. And I remember they busted out this this second second song. It's actually, you know, it's as I expected a dance song, but it hits, it hits pretty hard. And I remember this is, I remember around the time Ring of Honor invested in the lighting rig. So the production had a pretty big upgrade. The shows looked a lot better and they would kind of dip the lights down low for this. And then it would, uh, it would hit pretty hard. That's kind of one of my enduring memories of, uh, of Ring of Honor at this time. And I did have a special K shirt at the time, although it wasn't the special K serial logo, sadly. <laughs> I guess that was probably tempting fate with, uh, they were probably tempting fate enough with the, the Kellogg's group in terms of uh, <laughs> getting their brand name for a, uh, a drug fueled uh, heel stable at the time. Well, first of all, the song is by Zenith and Dana. That's the artist, so there you go. Sure. Um, <laughs> like I said, I don't know. Yeah, just trust me on this. Just trust me on this one, okay? <laughs> yeah, oh, I believe you. Believe me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, a while ago on the show that uh, I started doing a rewatch of Classic ROH from the beginning onwards. Because um, I've seen the big moments and matches over the years, but I've never seen, you know, Classic ROH in order, show to show to show. So I started doing that, and at this point, I am at early 04 in my watch. So Special K, they are all over these shows, and they're feuding with, you know, the Carnage crew and the Backseat Boys and, and guys like that. And, you know, a lot of segments, they do not hold up well at all, um, especially the ones with uh, DeVito's teenage daughter, which, uh, <laughs> yes. less said about that, the better, I think. But, um... You know, like with Public Enemy in ECW, Special K, they were a very big part of early ROH. They were a stable on pretty much every single show for a long time there. And, uh, you know, they were these rich kid ravers doing drugs, spending their parents' money, as, as Gabe would say on commentary. So, naturally, they would have a rave song. And this song is annoying as all hell. It's super <laughs> annoying, but that's that's kind of the point. You know, it's a group of annoying obnoxious ravers there's 50 of them they all have stupid names it's all part of the package and like ecw roh more often than not got the music right and this got the music right you know the intro can you feel the energy are you ready to lose control like it does set the scene and set the tone very well for this group of ravers and it does help set them apart from other wrestlers on the roster who are actually cool and have actual cool music so you know, yeah, at the end of the day, Special K was just this group of, you know, expendable goobers who you could just throw around <laughs> everywhere and ragdoll and beat up. But still, they ended up being a very memorable and iconic part of ROH history, Joe, I think. Yeah, it was absolutely something you would not see anywhere else besides Ring of Honor, I feel like. The WWF certainly wasn't, or WWE certainly wasn't pushing anything like this at the time. And even TNA to uh, an extent, I don't think would use them because they were, yeah, there were a bunch of guys from uh, Jersey all pro at the time. It's where Jay lethal actually got his start in the company as hydro Yep, back then. And then he did the angle where he left them to be Samoa Joe's uh, mentee, so to speak, with an angle that paid off <laughs> this year. Kind of, they finally, <laughs> they had a, you know, they, they called back to that angle some two decades later, which is uh, 
which is impressive. But yeah, like, you know, it was, it was just one of those fun, fun gimmicks. Everyone kind of remembers about that time. It was like, I don't know what the equivalent would be kind of like, I'm almost like the new age outlaws intro for the attitude era. It was just something that was always around and expected and uh, really added to the show. And, uh, and like you said, the song is perfectly annoying and, uh, <laughs> and uh, fits in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking over the list of, of members here and uh, you know, you mentioned hydro Jay lethal, of course, but uh, you had, you know, Izzy and Dixie and angel dust and all those guys, but you also had like, Joey Matthews, Jody Fleisch, <laughs> Mikey Whipwreck. Like, it wasn't just the Jersey Opera guys. You had, like, Joey Mercury, Eminem, in this group, you know? Abyss was a hired gun for this group at one point. So, yeah, it was just a very strange collection of guys. You know, Elax and Lit and Yayo and, and so many more people. Like, I can't stress enough just how many people were in this group. So, yeah, just looking at the list here, it, it brings back the old days, uh, the old problematic days, Joe. That that's for sure. So yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot. Like I said, a lot of this doesn't doesn't fly today, but uh, for the time, uh, yeah, it worked for the time, which is, I guess, the best you can ask for. Yeah, and bringing it up to today's ROH, Slim J, back in the folds. You know, Slim J was in Special K in like you know oh two oh three as a baby. <laughs> And now he's back with Ari Davari as the Trustbusters, and he looks the same, he dresses the same, he moves the same. It, it's pretty crazy, that's for sure. And and it's cool to see how, you know, even in this new Tony Khan era of ROH, there still are these touchstones, these, you know, these figures who harken back to the olden days with Slim J, with uh, Prince Nana and the Embassy and, and Colt Cabana and... Of course, the Briscoes and Bobby Cruz as the ring announcer and even more contemporary guys like Dalton Castle and the boys. It's cool to see how, again, this is a new owner and all that. But, you know, you still have, like I said, these touchstones to ROH history. You know, not not everywhere, but just enough to make you feel all warm and fuzzy there, uh, Joe. That, that's for sure. Yeah, Tony's absolutely uh, still a nerd, uh, <laughs> just like us. And uh, you should get him on Music of the Mat sometime if he has a free... Uh... <laughs> I'm sure he'd be a great guest, but no, I was at Slim J's match with Amazing Red in 2003, and if you told me, you know, like, almost two decades later, he'll still be competing in Ring of Honor, I would have thought you were nuts, but uh, no, like I said, still around, still looking good, so uh, good for him. Yeah, yeah. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, well, Joe, let's get to your third and final music memory. What do you got? I have a, a Finn Balor's uh, NXT WWE theme. I believe that's the same, but uh, I forget what it's called. But yeah, that's the uh, the third pick. It's Catch Your Breath by CFOs. Awesome. Okay. Catch your breath. 
Yeah, and uh, like you said, um, I'd recently gone to Death Before Dishonor in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is kind of weirdly the, the capital of wrestling in the United States. Just so much stuff has happened in uh, little Lowell, Massachusetts. It's crazy. Like, that's where uh, Sean lost a smile and forfeited the titles when The Rock won his first Intercontinental title. Samoa Joe won the TNA title there. Um, Cody Rhodes won the Ring of Honor title. And uh, also it's where Samoa Joe won the NXT title. And that's kind of the, the impetus of this um, memory here. Because I was actually at that show at the Lowell Memorial uh, Auditorium. It's where, like kind of the first NXT house show in the their first New England swing. I remember going to that. And I was very big into uh, NXT at the time. It was the black and gold brand. They had the one-hour tape shows every Wednesday and takeovers were, you know, the surest thing in us wrestling at the time. Like you just knew you would always get a great show. So I was always, I was super hyped for the show. And I remember listening to all these, you know, I had a bunch of themes on a playlist on uh, my phone at the time and listening to them as I drove to the show. Cause it's really kicked off. Like, you know, NXT would run, I think four um, house shows here in Lowell and then Ring of Honor ran a couple pay-per-views there and they just ran their latest one, although in the, a bigger building and it's where the 205 Live house show happened. One of the two ones that um, <laughs> existed, I happened to go to. And uh, yeah, I just remember listening and being so excited for the show and it was, su- it was such a great show that night. It was, honest to God, it was like a borderline takeover because you had, I remember an American Alpha uh, revival match, now FTR. That was super. I remember there was an Andrade, who hadn't even debuted on television at the time, against Austin Aries match. That was awesome. And there was, um, I remember a, uh, I think it was Chris Hero and, and Ciampa at the time had a, no, it was uh, Biff Busek and uh, Ciampa had a match that was awesome, a total hard-hitting affair. And the main event was uh, Samoa Joe winning the NXT title from Finn Balor. Just the, I want to say out of nowhere, because they had been feuding, but I don't think anyone in the building expected that to happen and it was like still one of the coolest things i've ever seen in wrestling at the time because i remember joe had been teasing the muscle buster the whole match and uh and you know he finally hit it at the end and i kind of thought oh this will be a hell of a kick out when this happens but then the ref counted three and everyone just lost their minds and it was um i remember i you know finn i I have no idea he has with judgment day right now but he had this theme for uh for quite a bit i think it's a really great song i think it's really it lets him kind of do his little arm wavy motions with the crowd <laughs> i really like this song and i i remember i think we all like oh you know finn will be a, a huge star in the company and he did win the universal title like pretty close to his arrival but then he got hurt and it's just kind of one of those weird offense things where i think he lost faith in him and he never got back to that level again you know he had some u.s title ic level things happening and and things like that but it just never it never took off for him the kind of the way we all kind of hoped and imagined it would, but this was, this was a uh, happier time with the world seemed the limit uh, for both NXT and, uh, and Finn. Mm. Yeah. I've never seen Finn Balor live, so I've never seen him do the entrance or whatever, but, uh, but I have been to an NXT house show. It was uh, in November, 2016 at the Ganis arena in Boston, which uh-huh. is where they run dynamite in Boston. And I'm looking at the card right now and it's like, yeah, there's people there who are still there. You know, Liv Morgan, Roderick Strong, Asuka, uh, Bobby Roode, you know, Ciampa, Nakamura, guys like that. But there's a lot of people who were just gone, too. Like, yeah. a lot of people on this card who are no longer in the company. You know, Samoa Joe, The Revival, Gargano, uh, Ember Moon, uh, Oni Lorcan. The entire opener is, is missing. 
No Way Jose and TM61 versus Sanity. They're all gone, except for Nikki Cross, who was at ringside. Like, it's crazy, and I have to remind myself, yeah, this was six years ago already. This was a while ago, and a lot has changed, and, and time marches on and all that, but to me, it feels like yesterday. And, you know, as far as Finn Balor goes, again, six years ago, he beat Seth Rollins at SummerSlam to become the inaugural Universal Champion. He was the first guy with that belt, and then he had to vacate it the next day because of injury. And he never got back to that moment and position ever since then. He went back to NXT and became NXT Champion again, but, you know, the idea of him being a main roster world champion is just... It's not in the cards, and it hasn't been for a very long time. And, you know, looking at Finn, looking at NXT and where that's, you know, at nowadays, it's very much a case of, you know, appreciate the fun times, appreciate the good times when you can, because they can all just go away in the blink of an eye, you know? (laughs) Finn Balor can be the first Universal Champion, and then, oh, there's an injury, goodbye. You know, NXT can be black and gold, it's super cool, and all these arenas or whatever, and then, oh, here comes multicolors, and... It's like that catchphrases, you know? So, yeah, yeah, that whole era, Joe, feels like a time capsule, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it's funny because when he was Fergal Devitt, he actually wrestled, like, locally, like, in Massachusetts for Sheldon Goldberg's, like, New England Championship Wrestling. Remember he posted, he, like, would go to WWE shows at the DCU Center before he was, you know, in the company. So it's pretty cool he got to go from the stands to competing in the ring. And, yeah, I remember after, like, I think the last takeover, I just posted that, that meme of the, you know, old woman saying something and, uh, you know, someone's like, okay, grandma, let's get you to bed. And it was, <laughs> mine was like, oh, I went to a takeover in New York city and it was one of the great shows in, in WWE history. And a lot of people agreed, but they were, they were talking about different shows. Like, you know, the, the, <laughs> the takeover with the, the Bailey Sasha match, that was incredible. People thought I was talking about that one. It's like, no, it was the one at the WrestleMania weekend in, in 2019 with her. I was there. The, I um, was there too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was an incredible show. You would think like, my God, this is the, the greatest wrestling ever. And, and, and look where it is now. So, yep. You can, uh, I don't know if we can uh, blame Tony Khan for this one. Cause who knows what would have <laughs> happened to NXT had, uh, AEW not come around would they still be would they be on television would they be still an hour taped on on wednesdays on the on peacock right now it's hard to say but yeah like you said you really appreciate good things when they're around because they're probably not going to stay around in wrestling no 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 that's a that's a lesson that i think every wrestling fan has to learn at some point in their lives mm-hmm. you know the uh the good old days the golden eras whatever you want to call them they don't last. They go away, folks. I'm sorry. It just it happens. And it's true for a wrestler and their career. It's true for a promotion and, and certain eras of that. It's true for Japan right now. You know, look at Japan with the clap crowds. We've had them for a few years now. And a few weeks ago, I went back and watched a couple of G1 matches from 2018. And boy, that was a mistake because hearing those loud, full, screaming Japanese crowds you don't realize how good we had it until they were taken away. And now we have to put up with clap crowds and we have to put up with, you know, hoping and praying for, for gasps at this point, you know, just for something, for any nugget, any crumb of, of vocal reaction from Japanese fans. And it's like, God damn it, we didn't appreciate being able to hear people yell. You know, it's, it's, that's how crazy it is. But that's time, you know, time moves on, events happen, things change. That's kind of how life works. 
So, you know, don't look at these great time periods and say, oh, this will be here forever. No, no, it won't. Don't assume that at all. You know, assume the opposite. Assume that it will change and end and appreciate it when it's happening, Joe. That's that's the lesson, really, I think. Yep. Sadly, I remember I used to watch WCW and ECW and they're not around anymore. So appreciate it while you can. Yeah. No more hot steppers. That's for sure. So, no. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, um. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Joe, thank you again for being here. As always, just a lot of fun. Always a pleasure. It's one of my favorite shows. I think it's one of the great ideas for a show ever, and it's executed just uh, just perfectly every time. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Thanks so much. Um, any plugs you want to give right ahead? Yes, my own show, uh, Five Star Match Game. It is the Wrestling Trivia Show. We will have a new episode, uh, probably a bit after this one comes out, on the Great American Bash, so another summertime tradition this time for wcw and all the old episodes are out there andrew has been a guest multiple times and has done very well is all three-time champion baby there we go he will tell you exactly how many times (laughs) not to brag not to brag but uh but uh no always great having him on the shows are pretty evergreen on topics like you name it uh we've done it at, at this point so uh please check that out and like i said new episode coming very soon yeah it's a great show a lot of fun to be on it and uh a lot of fun to listen to it too and just Yell at your computer, you idiot! That's the wrong answer. Come on, like yeah. <laughs> that's that's a lot of fun too. I will admit, but um, uh, music of the mat is of course part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, just like Five Star Match Game. You can find other great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at music of the mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T Rich. Voicesofwrestling.com/slash/discord. For all discussions and comments, voicesofwrestling.com slash donate. For all donations, just click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat or Five Star Match Game, whichever you want there. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Joe, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Yeah, sounds great. All right, for Joe Gagne, I'm Andrew Rich. And I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.